This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. So I was doing a little light reading over the weekend. By light reading, I mean like periodical type stuff. Actual print on paper, if anybody knows what that is. I'm talking about magazines like uh, this one here, the uh, Saturday Evening Post, which I subscribe to. I do subscribe to some digital stuff. And then I also have some stuff that I've just bought. I mean, this I guess you would call a paperback, but it's more of a pamphlet. But either way, I was reading through some of this, just kind of enjoying that, holding the paper, you know. Not that I never read from a book, because I do, but, you know, I would say a lot of my reading these days is digital. And it's kind of a shame in a sense that, you know, the um, effort to go get printed material, the access to it, the saving of it, the actual reading of it, because it wasn't like you could just search and get the little details that you wanted. You actually had to read and, and know the stuff. And it, it was a, a, the ability to give people an advantage. Today, all that's changed. Everybody reads online. You can get the answer to just about anything. Not the really important stuff, though. You'll find that. But a lot of things you'll find, at least you'll find answers to, maybe not a good answer to. Anyway, I was just enjoying uh, getting back to the paper. So I have a little article I wanted to talk about from the Saturday Evening Post. But before I get into that, uh, this caught my eye. The Great Wall of China, you've heard of that. They say, I saw the images of it, so uh, it seems plausible that it's actually visible from uh, space. The Great Wall of China actually visible from space. And this wall, uh, it goes from this you know inland point. 12,000 miles, just to put that in perspective, that is from Philadelphia to San Francisco, back to Philadelphia, back to San Francisco, (laughs) four times, four times uh, wider than the United States, 12,000 miles, about 3,000 miles from coast to coast in the United States. That's how massive China, like this this little tidbit. Well, let me just give you the tidbit. 12,000 miles, 2,200 years. That's what I wrote down there. That's what I took away. But I said, that says so much. 2,200 years to construct. That's incredible. That's 10 times older than our country. The history is amazing. 12,000 miles. Do you realize the work? So anyway, this uh, uh, wall, not only was it a barrier, a military barrier, a safety barrier, it was also a trade route. You know, they were driving on that thing. I guess, who built, I don't really know all the details. I didn't go a whole lot further than that. It just struck me. And and some of the other things I took away from it, first of all, the scale of China. And I really appreciate how much bigger it is than the United States. And by the way, there's a lot of parallels with Russia, I think you could say. So a huge country and very different people. I mean, you know, the people, just like you have here, you know, the people up in the Northeast, outside of Chicago, they're not the same as in uh, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I'm going to be heading down there probably May. 
right? It's, you know, go down to Charleston, South Carolina, you'll find all different kind of people than you find in uh, Philadelphia. New York City has its own uh, characteristics, uh, you know, uh, personality. It's different, right? So imagine uh, a country that's vastly bigger, vast, you know, huge, and just the gaps and the, you know, look, it takes, what, three hours to travel across the country here. That I mean, that's, at least that's what it used to be. I don't know if you can, can you even get a direct flight across the country anymore? You can't get a direct flight anywhere. I was renewing my driver's license, which expired 10 days ago, so I was a little behind on that. But we're all back to being legal now. Just take it easy. They give you, I guess, a little two-week reprieve. Don't even charge you for it. Nice. I just got to go get my photo taken, and then I'll be all done. But anyway, they're pushing this real ID in Pennsylvania now. You can't fly unless you have a real ID. It's just everything's becoming impossible. But anyway, think about the differences in this country. You think about the scale of that country. Three hours to fly across this country. How long does it take to fly across China or Russia or to take a train or to do it by horse? How do these, uh, you know, in ancient times, how did they possibly govern in just these uh, incredibly distant places? Well, they had ways of doing it, even when there was, uh, you know, horses. You know, they would run a, uh, what do you call it, uh, when you hand the, the baton, a relay, right? Do it with horses, 25 miles at a shot or, or whatever they were ready for. Some areas were probably handled differently, on foot, dog sleds, whatever. Just like uh, dog sleds in, you know, Alaska. If you got to move something before airplanes and automobiles, you had to move something in Alaska. The dog sled was the way you did it. Or you walked, I guess. It's going to be a long road to go, right? Anyway, there's just the vastness of China, 2,200 miles. Just, that's just the Great Wall. That's not even the whole country. And then building this thing. We can't even build a, a border wall here out of shipping containers. Amazing, right? Think about the legacy. that the, This is the other thing for the Chinese people. This ancient history. And I, and I don't think that we always respect these things, by the way, about China and Russia. You know, I think people here, you just assume that everybody's like us, and there's so much, thousands of years of history with these countries, and it's so wide. You, know, you get different languages from one end to the other. So, you know, they're almost continents, right? More than, more so than countries, vast. Anyway, I thought it was interesting, and then, you know, as far as you know, I'm thinking today, and I think it's what caught my eye about it. You know, why don't we build a damn border wall? I don't understand. It, it really defies logic. I haven't talked about it in a little while. I mean, it's just, I think we've kind of given up on it. You know, that, that somehow Ocasio-Cortex, in her infinite wisdom, has convinced us that it's racist to even talk about it. 2,200 years ago, the Chinese, they didn't think so. They're out there, the, what, the monks out there? I don't know that part of it. Nah, we're just going to just let the whole country just, I don't know, maybe this is the uh, America, you know, that it's just going to be one day it's this, one day, or is that going to be our legacy, 300 years of really great freedom, or 250? That was about it. It just fell into the ways of the rest of the world. I don't think so. As I begin to understand some of these dynamics and the whole 
one world government, world commerce, American military, fiat money system, it, it all suddenly begins to click a little bit. You know, and it really all does start with the commerce. You know, it started to connect people. I, there was another thing that caught my eye I was reading. Uh, people talked about uh, there was people that tried going a year without using anything that came from China. A year without China, it's called. I didn't really get too far into it, but they basically said that it was nearly impossible. Think about that. The richest, freest country in the solar system. And we can't get out of bed in the morning without China. I don't know. It's pretty interesting, really. Then you think, also, you know, the other thing that that Great Wall story made me think of, you know, you think about how uh, incredible and magnificent China was at one time, and I guess it still is in many ways, but what it's fallen to the division. It's always what, what destroys nations, right? The division. People can't, can't unite under things that seemingly make sense, right? I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine uh, the other night. We were talking about trash to steam. He said, why aren't there more of those? I mean, why aren't we generating electric from that? Mmm, the environmentalists. It's a little too cheap, I guess. It's a little too effective, maybe. What if every town was generating their own power? Could you generate all... I, I, I would, this is not an area... I know a little bit about microgrids, and I know that trash is burned. The big player in that industry is Covana, at least on the East Coast here, pretty much any trash that's burned. And there are a few. There's one uh, here in our county. And uh, I don't know, there's probably a, a dozen or so municipalities that take things there and they burn it. And then there's also environmental groups in the area that from time to time rear their heads and they make complaints to the Department of Environmental Protection, the state DEP, and they go out there and shut them down for a while. And it's, oh, you know, Covana plant shut down due to toxics, blah, 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 because of one, one trillionth of one trillionth of a particle uh, you know, was found somewhere, and they attributed it to the to the trash burning, which is amazing, really, because it's coming from the same people that talk about science and technology being the rule of the day. And these aren't like burn pits, right? Now, what do they say? Recycle, reduce, recycle, reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the best best advice for trash. But anyway, imagine if every town had a, a an incinerator, if you will, trash to steam. Making electric, why would why, what would be wrong with that? I don't know. Maybe somebody knows more about it than me. So let me. Uh, I, don't, I actually didn't want to go out of order here. Oh, okay, good. I was still in order. I want to talk about this article I found in the Saturday Evening Post. I don't know that this order is that critical, but I just wanted to stay on point. I got a lot to talk about, and I didn't. I don't want to be rambling on too long with any one of these. Uh, so this was in the um, in the Saturday Evening Post, which is a really great periodical. I think one of the oldest in the country, or the oldest, or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I might be confusing it with the uh, New York Post or something like that. Anyway, great great magazine, Saturday Evening Post. I subscribe. When you do, you get access to the, all the digital archives, which I've never really had the time to take a look at, but looks neat. <laughs> Either way, now I've pulled stuff out of there, I guess. So this article was. Uh, it's called the Upside of Regret. Acknowledging missteps and learning from them can bring greater meaning to your life. Um, and basically, 
It, there's a book, and this author uh, talks about this idea of, uh, I guess, you, know, you learn from your mistakes, so turn your regrets into a positive. And I don't agree with that at all, by the way. I do not agree with that. And I'll talk about that in a second. But there was something here I, I pulled out of the article I thought was good. Imagine your best friend is confronting the same regret that you're dealing with. What would you tell them to do next? I never thought about that in terms of regrets, but I've often used that um, type of um, analogy or, or way of looking at things, if you will, to say, you know, if you're having a struggle or you're struggling with something or you're angry or whatever, you know, try to just remove yourself from it. So you say, you know, what, what advice would I give to somebody who's dealing with what I'm dealing with? What would I say to them? And uh, you know, sometimes it just makes it a little bit easier to bring a little bit of clarity to things. So I thought that was good. But in terms of regrets, so I, I think there's, a, you know, if you make a mistake, do you have a regret? I never really felt that way. You know, I've made plenty of mistakes, screwed up plenty of things, dumb things, uh, things I'm not proud of, uh, failures, many. But they're like some of the best stories they really are. And I do look at it as learning. Hey, you know, I made this mistake, this that mistake, wouldn't do that again. I mean, you know, if, if you've actually done anything besides lay on the sofa your life, your whole life, you get to be half a century old like me, and you, you know, you got a couple of stories under your belt if you've done a few things, and it's the ones that didn't go well. You know, when I talk about skiing, I talk about the near-death experiences. I mean, come on. Nobody wants to hear about the times that I was, you know, playing around on the bunny slope, right? So you know what I'm saying. Anyway, the, the mistakes, I, I don't, that's not regret to me. But I, and I give this advice a lot. How many times have I said on the podcast to, to do your best, to always do your best? And people struggle with that. Well, I'm tired. I'm just, I know. I get tired too. I get this. I get that. Always, every day at this point in my life, it's a pain, it's a problem, <laughs> something's going on. Just about, every, if not me, somebody close to me, it seems like. That's life. Just got to deal with it. But uh, you just got to do the best you can under the circumstances. You know, I don't just try to, hey, hey, all right, this is a setback. How do I make the best of this from what I have? You know, how do I make the best of this going forward? And, um, you know, you take that, that mindset, just doing the best you can. That's the key to not having any regrets. And it should be a constant. Relationships, money. You know, you're going to look back and be like, oh, I regret the money I lost at the casino. Well, that was a mistake. And you weren't doing your best to stay disciplined. Or, you know, I'm sorry I, I ruined that relationship or I wasn't patient enough to mend it. It's not doing your best. You know, sometimes you say, I, you know, I did everything I could to, you know, make that relationship work, business relationship, personal relationship. And, you know, whether it's me or the other party, for you know, the timing, the outside factor, you know, a million reasons why things don't look out. You give it your best. And then you got to have a little bit of faith. And as long as you're doing that, you're not going to have any regrets. I found that out the hard way. Not doing my best. I said, I'll never do that again. It drives me every day. I'll never again not do my best. Yeah, I get up some morning. I have my morning routine. I walk and 
do my little calisthenics. You know, there's mornings I wake up. I don't do it sometimes. I don't absolute discipline, but I'll do the next next best thing. You know, and, and so it goes. I'm not going to keep repeating it. You got to apply it yourself. So anyway, no regrets. That's my my formula. Just don't allow it to happen in the first place. So the other thing I want to tell you, uh, obviously I'm feeling a little better. Not obviously, I guess. Hopefully you can uh, hear it in my voice. I, um, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. I was really struggling last week with coughing. I didn't feel too bad, but it was just this horrible coughing. And I guess that's a byproduct of COVID. I don't know. I didn't test again this last go around. I was self-isolating for three days because I was in pretty much in bed, not completely bed or isolated at home. So I just didn't even bother taking a test. There really don't have much confidence in them. And what difference does it really make at the end of the day? If I guess I was going to gotten into trouble with a, I couldn't breathe or something going to the hospital, they're going to test me anyway. I feel like that the uh, COVID that I had back in November, two months ago, I feel like it's been lingering. You've heard me talk about it. Haven't been able to get rid of this cough. And I've heard other people say the same thing. And uh, is it vaccine-related? I'm vaccinated. I can't tell you how much I regret it. I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. I saw, you know, they're talking about all these athletes that are dropping, right? Uh, heart problems. And, you know, that football player, that, that incident that happened on the field, guys, a heart attack in the NFL game. Never happened before. You know, what? oh, it's, uh, it's stress, all right? So... I was like, ah, I'm not hearing any of this in the military. I think it's bunk. So Friday night, I reached out by text and uh, active duty and veterans. And much to my surprise, the story confirmed problems in the military, heart issues. I do know somebody firsthand, uh, the wife of a friend, developed a heart issue after getting vaccinated. Wow. Wow. Nobody's talking about it. No investigations. Not even a study. Not even a study. But anyway, um, a coughing last week. Otherwise, I felt good. And all the while, I've stayed in my groove. I'm eating 100%. No carb, low carb, very low carbs, no processed food, all just natural veg- uh, raw vegetables and Lean protein, not always raw vegetables. I had some steamed broccoli and salmon Friday night for dinner. But you get the idea. 100% on cue. Really low calories. I'm just shredding this uh, Christmas weight off. It's amazing. I've kept up with my walking. I was at the, I went to the gym Saturday morning. I was up early. Well, so Friday, so all week I'm struggling with coughing. And what happened? So I'm feeling good otherwise. I'm taking care of myself. I'm dropping weight. I'm you know, getting in shape. But this cough is killing me. And throughout the week, it was keeping me up. I couldn't say it. I took some NyQuil, which I really don't like to take. And that helped Monday, Tuesday. By Wednesday, I'm having trouble again. By Thursday, I'm exhausted. This is just, I haven't slept a good night's sleep. And I need my sleep. I need at least like six straight, you know, to feel rested. And not that I can't, you know, go at times with a little less, but it tears me up. It really does. I don't like to. I need my sleep. That six hours is important to me. I like seven. Six is okay. I can get by with six. As long as at some point I can catch up a little bit. But I wasn't sleeping. It was killing me. 
was really tearing me up. So a buddy of mine turned me on to these uh, Fisherman's Wharf throat lozenges. Best uh, throat lozenge ever. That's a slam dunk. And then this other uh, cold uh, anti-cough, whatever. And uh, I took some of that, and it really helped. But Friday night, man, I was dying. I just could not stop coughing. I needed to go to bed. And I don't want to take any NyQuil. I had already taken the other uh, cold medicine. I gargled three times with apple cider vinegar, which really helped a lot, by the way. Uh, a buddy of mine was saying that that's something you could do on a daily basis. I'm not ready to recommend that. you got to be a little careful with your teeth and vinegar in your mouth like that. Uh, but, you know, I am a, a believer in vinegar uh, as well as apple cider vinegar uh, for lots of reasons, by the way. But anyway, it felt really good on my throat gargling with that three times. And, um, and I'm still coughing, though. You know, it did give me some relief. I'm still coughing. Like, I got to go to bed. And um, finally, I gave in and I took uh, two two shots of whiskey. I didn't shoot them. I don't drink like that. Uh, I just mixed the whiskey with a little water and sipped it down. And it worked perfectly, <laughs> amazingly. A little home remedy there. The gargling with apple cider vinegar and two shots of whiskey. There's your cold remedy. I slept really well. I'm not going to say I slept incredible because I didn't, but I did get a good night's sleep Friday night. When I was up at 5 on Saturday, so I went to the gym at 6, and I just went in the in the steam room. I went in the steam room. I went in the, in the sauna. Here's the other thing that's been great for me. I think I mentioned this last week. And guys, girls alike, I cannot tell you how much beneficial. My chiropractor turned me on to this. Uh, at least a year ago, loosening up your hips. When your hips get tight, it messes up your back, which creates tension, and it's just everything gets out of whack. Well, anyway, uh, when I got in shape, I don't know, a couple years ago to go on the 14-mile hike with my son, uh, one of the problems I had is I, I, like, I pulled one of my hip flexors or strained it or whatever, and that prevented me really from walking as much to get in shape for that hike. And, uh, and even on that hike, it was bothering me. I had an odd gait because of it. I was able to push through. Um, but anyway, uh, this year, getting in shape, I think, I don't want to take that risk. I've been working really a lot on loosening up my hip flexors, and it's paid off. Loosening up those hip flexors. And there's a good stretch. Just lay on your back and pull your knee basically to the other side of your body. But the other one that I've really found helpful is a lunge stretch and lean back. You know what I'm talking about? Just put one foot forward and bend your knee and just really uh, stretch out like a, a scissors stretch there. And you can do that sideways. I've done that. And all this is good for range of motion, back, and all that. So I'll have an update on uh, Tuesday or so. Give you the results. Two weeks of clean eating. And just following a simple routine, it's really amazing. Energy level, really almost back. You know, so uh, what am I getting at? I had a I had a good time Thanksgiving through Christmas. We had fun on New Year's, and it was back to work on January third, and it's worked. It's all worked good. I feel good. So hopefully you're considering doing something the same. I want to mention this story that was kind of funny. That a uh, I saw an article here locally in the local news, Philadelphia news. And the question, SEPTA, SEPTA, Regional Southeastern Pennsylvania 
Transportation Authority, that uh, stands for, Southeastern Pennsylvania. That's where Philadelphia lies. And uh, SEPTA serves the five-county area around Philadelphia. It's called the Delaware Valley. And SEPTA, I'm going to say SEPTA's pretty good. I don't know. I'm not a big, you know, public transit guy. I'm not like I've gone to all these cities and used public transit to give you the you know, the lay of the land on that. But I have used SEPTA, not the bus. I don't know if, you know, I wouldn't be too quick to jump on a bus, at least not. I don't know, would I? Anyway, here's, this actually goes bus or train, I think. So the, the, the article was, would you ride more if the fare was free? And I know for the train, because I just came back uh, a while ago, I took, I had a, a flight, I came back and I took the, the train back from the airport is ten dollars, and I think uh, I think that ten dollars is like an all day pass, and um, ten bucks anywhere you want to go. I'm thinking that's cheaper than any other. I mean, you can't start your car for ten bucks these days, right? But uh, the answer to that question is no. My biggest complaint with the whole thing is that the schedules are impossible to understand. Even with the app. And I'm like, I, I don't understand why that's so difficult. There's got to be a better way to do this. And and just to navigate where I want to get to using public transit. Like, there's just be a thing. That, hey, I want to get here. Uh, I want to leave at this time, and I want to get there at that time. And then you should have parameters, right? I'm flexible or cheap. And, and the software should do it for you. Um, you know, Greyhound, the, the busing, they do that. You say, I, hey, I want to take a bus from, I did it. I took a bus from uh, Philly to Columbus. What an adventure that was. Which brings me to my next number two. So that would be one, easy navigation that I can, you know, get where I want to get efficiently and not, um, I think along with that, the signage at these places is not always the best for people who don't use it all the time. Just kind of following along, hoping you get where you go. I guess most of the time it works out, but I think they could make it a little easier. Maybe put in place more concierge. I think they're doing some of that. But then the other one is making the, the, the facilities cleaner, for God's sake. You know, it would be nice if they had power ports and, and Wi-Fi in this uh, modern age, and they could easily equip all of this stuff with these, even retrofit the, the older stuff. But the bigger one is the cleanliness, and I guess the security goes along with that. I'm like, I'll pay 12, I'll pay 15. Clean this place up and get these uh, bums out of here. I don't have to sit here and, you know, worry that I'm going to get clubbed on the back of the head riding this thing. Either way, I mean, I'm not a big public transit guy. I guess I'm not the guy to ask on that, but I think it just make it work better to make it free. The government, you know, oh, it was free. They're like falling into the same trap as the, the old Soviet Union. Trains aren't running on time. It's free. What good is it? Anyway, uh, the shadow banning continues despite the the exposure of the issue. I, I thought opening a new Twitter account would be, be different. It's not. It's completely shadow banned. I commented on a post of, uh, of somebody that I know, and he reached out to me, and he said, you're, you're being, nobody's seeing your comments. Maybe because I didn't pay for the blue check? I really don't know. And I don't materially care at this point. It, it really doesn't mean anything to me. It's amazing how that whole social media thing has changed. And I guess there's still 
people that are, you know, using it to create channels and audiences, if you will. But it's not going to be for me, obviously. I just wonder why is it that somebody like me is such a problem for social media and the Internet? Why is it why is it such a problem for other people to hear what I have to say? I don't know. And I'll say to you, I happen to have an idea. <laughs> um, it's the people that we reach. I think that there has been, for whatever reason, this podcast I may never know. I have a couple of ideas. Some of the people that I've interacted with, and I find out after the fact that people mention the podcast to somebody else. And that little rabbit hole can be pretty interesting at times. But I've heard so many things that I said on this podcast, and they would appear in other places. Not so much these days. That hasn't happened in a while. But there was a time. And so I guess to say, maybe the maybe the podcast was having an impact. It, it was blowing up. We sat on iTunes top charts. I was about ready to to to. Pass. I was one below Rachel Mancal. At one point, uh, below Rush Limbaugh's morning um, podcast thing, there hitting some some good spots on there. But then they didn't like that too much for some reason. Somebody didn't like it, and I think I know who that was as well. I think I know exactly what prompted the whole thing and the dirty little secrets going on. It's amazing, really. Amazing, a country that I thought had free speech, a country I fought for, I served, and here I am. Can't even speak freely in my own country. Pretty pretty remarkable when you think about it, right? So that's the catch-up on my life in 30 minutes. How's that? My life in the Great Wall of China. Maybe there's some parallels there. I didn't really think about that. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the the square top matches my block head, the scale of it. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting times we live in. Free trains, censorship. There was a time when you only found that kind of thing in places like Cuba, Soviet Union. Now you've got, uh, what's his name, Snowden over there in Russia. I'm laughing, I suppose. Russia's gone through a renaissance. I saw on a map the uh, expansion of NATO, and it's really amazing. No wonder Russia's lashing out. They're about to be mowed over. And isn't it funny how you haven't heard anything about Ukraine? Is there a ceasefire going on? Maybe it's going to end. I don't know. They're talking about tanks and Patriot missiles. Isn't that going to escalate things? I mean, at this point, wasn't this last battle, wasn't that kind of the deciding factor, it sounds like? Kind of sounds to me like it's over. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You got this crazy Biden thing. Uh, Biden family confident Kathy Chung. Biden family confident Kathy Chung. Why is somebody, I don't know, I'm not tied in with any Chinese people, are you? Not that I'm trying to say there's anything wrong with that, but I don't need Chinese business partners. Why is it that so many of these politicians do? Biden, Feinstein, I think Pelosi. What is it with all this Chinese connection? I don't get it. I really don't get it. Well, this lady, uh, I guess she's being questioned about these documents. Maybe she's the one that turned Biden in. I don't know. Maybe maybe China's, maybe the, the Chinese Communist Party's the one that's turning Biden off. You don't think that they had a lot to do with him getting elected? I kind of think they did. I don't know what to think about all that. I think it could also be a party takedown. It sure looks like they're pushing Biden out of office. 
I mean, to have these documents come up after he did that Time uh, magazine, was it? No, it was 60 Minutes. Remember that he was on 60 Minutes back in November? And he said, how could he be so irresponsible? Those words are going to bite him hard, real hard. How's he going to defend himself now? And it's really amazing how, you know, with Trump, they make you think of it was like tractor trailer loads of documents and the secret, secret nuclear codes. With Biden, no indication what these documents are, and he's acting like it's like a like a, a paper that got stuck to the back of another paper or something like that. Why don't we see in the photograph? How much are we talking about here? Why aren't we seeing it all laid out in the photograph? Never happened. No FBI raid. The FBI's lost all credibility at this point. Laughing stock. This brought it full circle. And and Joe Biden did it, but somebody had to expose it. Somebody turned on Joe Biden. You can start there. Somebody ratted him out. What, maybe they were supposed to submit these uh, uh, confidentially, something like that? Why didn't they just burn them? What I can't believe, uh, even more over than all this hocus-pocus, which is nothing really but drama, we're not talking about anything that's going to create jobs, secure our border, make our military stronger, our schools better, our infant- none of that's being discussed. We're talking about Biden's Corvette. How about the bait and switch? You know, did you hear him answering questions? I guess it was Peter Ducey from the Fox News asked him, how could you be so irresponsible or something like that? And he, well, it was, you, you had the documents with your Corvette. Well, my, my Corvette was, was locked, just to be clear. It was like sitting on the street or something. He says, yeah, but they were, they were in, in, in the garage. Yeah, it's locked with my Corvette, Biden said. Wait, what is the, with that? Just the um, Biden to me was just being so smug and and um, defiant, criminal, really. And then um, uh, same as Ocasio Cortez. Not that the stories are related, but you know the Democrats suddenly are talking about banning gas stoves out of nowhere. It's fine with me. I'm ready to go back to the old Franklin stove. We actually have an electric stove anyway. Not gonna affect me. I'm thinking. Are you serious? All the problems in the country, why would it be illegal? You, you still buy cigarettes. That's not more dangerous than stoves. They're going to ban them. It's not going to happen. It's some kind of a ruse, some kind of a distraction. So the Casio cortez they get, they get busted big time on this because uh, somebody posted pictures of all the, the kitchen posts from their social media, all using gas. Uh, Elizabeth Warren... The uh, VP there and Ocasio-Cortex and others, right? So Cortex comes out with this video, which, I don't know, she looks like some kind of, um, I don't really want to know what to say, the, the distastefulness of it. Uh, and she says, you know, Republicans freaking out. And she says, I rent. What does that have to do? And that's classic sociopath. You know, the average naive person, oh, well, she rents. So what the hell does that have to do with uh, being, what, she gets to keep hers because she's a, a, a renter? What does that have to do with the, with the price of cabbage in Poland? Nothing. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, it's like getting your hand caught in the cookie jars. Hey, your hand's in the cookie jar. Yeah, well, the lid wasn't secured. Yeah, but you're, you, it doesn't mean you just take them. Yeah, the, the pot on the stove is empty, too. 
<laughs> I don't know what kind of craziness. Biden's like, they were with my Corvette. Of course they're secure. They were with my Corvette. Oh, nothing's more secure than, than Biden's uh, Corvette, I guess. But I can't believe there's not a better chain of custody. I don't know. There's a lot of directions you could go with this with the theories. Maybe that these things are always planted. Maybe it's a rule that's been broken that they see in politics. They're all out to get each other. They're all sociopaths, I think. They're just out to, to build, you know, they want their they want their own wins. It's like these people. I, I, I used to say this when uh, I owned real estate that I rented. And we started in residential. We got out. It was horrible back then and even worse now. But there were certain people you deal with. It's just like they, they feel like they got to get one over on the on the landlord. Like if they're not getting a little something back at the end or something, they they, they feel like they you know what I mean. Always just trying to angle. Always trying. Well, I shouldn't have to pay you for that. I know. What I mean. You know what I'm saying? Politics same way. It's, what can I get out of this person? How can I how can I screw them over? And so the easiest way to do that is the old Soviet style, just have them be guilty of something. A little campaign contribution, a couple of top secret documents, little, and God forbid you can get some kind of something, uh, you know, uh, extramarital affair related or sexual in nature. Boom. All right, there's your trifecta. They get this stuff, they get this dirt. And how easy is it? How easy would it be to set this stuff up? It probably goes on all the time. You don't think that the, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here spelling this out. You don't think the CIA, the FBI have already figured this out? They said, yeah, you know, we're going to send, we're going to plant uh, an attractive female in with the campaign. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we're going to see if, if anything happens, right? Maybe we get a little photograph here. Maybe we get her to bring a couple of girls in from the club. I don't know. Who knows? Hey, hey give me give me these documents. Say here, I got these for you. Hold on to them, and and boom, you just made them into. I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. So listen to this. The NHL. This kind of ties in with my free train ticket story. The NHL wanted to hire people in Florida. I'm not really sure why in Florida. I guess maybe training down there or something. Is there a Florida team? I don't know. Probably. Anyway, they they said basically you had to be LGBTQIA or black or brown um, and military. I don't know how military gets thrown in there. Wait, wait, and military? You can't be just like straight white and military to qualify, I don't think, for, for that lineup. But it's totally discriminatory and it's totally illegal. DeSantis got involved in the NHL backtracked. Yeah, big deal. I could care less. Let them go hire all the the freaks they want. And all I can tell you is that, sadly, the NHL is going to destroy itself just like the NFL. I don't think you're going to see an NFL around in 20 years. It might take a little longer. I don't know. I just, I'm not seeing it. I think the worldwide popular, it's all fixed. It's all a big show. It's all fake. It's a fake Emperor has no clothes. Really good uh, write-up here from General Mike Flynn. I have the link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Uh, He has started this uh, organization that he's the head of. He's doing a lot for the country. That's what I wanted to say. But also, his message was basically about reining in out-of-control government. And I can tell you that I feel like the, the GOP is finding its message 
This is the message. Reining in out of control government. Scaling back. I don't even know scaling back. Just reining in out of control government. No, you don't get to pe- tell, tell people how to live their lives, what to do. This, this bleeding approach has been going on for years. The environmental, uh, the EPA has so stretched their mandate by rewriting their own definitions. It's amazing, really. I could go on and on about this, and, and it goes on with so many things. Churches persecuted, small businesses persecuted, farms persecuted. Here in America, persecuted by our own government, silenced, the free speech violated by our own government, schmucks like Adam Schiff participated. Did you see that, the latest uh, Twitter release, how many requests he made to silence people? Unreal, really. What happened? American values, a threat to our democracy. American values and reigning in an out-of-control government. That's what the Republican message needs to be. Spending. Just Where's the money even going? They can't even get, get rid of it. I think I was talking about this. All of these grants, all this infrastructure money, they're trying to make it into a social program. Guess what? It's not working. They can't even get the money out. Can't even give the money away. Here's a little feel-good story for you. Remember Uvalde? That's where the, the I think one of the most recent school shootings was down there in Texas. Well, the football coach out there was uh, nominated to the NFL's uh, high school um, top coaches list or something like that. And it was for his work uh, after that in bringing the school and the community together. You know, when, when difficult times come, I've said it brings out the best in people, it brings out the worst in people. And it creates an opportunity to really make an impact. And this guy stepped up and did it. And using a great sport of football to do it. I don't really agree with tackle football for kids. I could go on that another time. I started a flag football league, and I believe it's a much better uh, option for kids. And by the way, dangerous in its own way. Some of the injuries that happen. But anyway, and you got to be quick, and it really teaches them skills without the violence. And there's a real impact to that. And we'll talk about it another time. That's why I feel that the football's got to change. Why, why can't it be flag football, for that matter? Just switch the flag with helmets. It could be, uh, you know, uh, touch live, live on the line flag football. Get pretty aggressive. I don't know. Just my own harebrained idea, I guess. Here we are in the new year, two weeks in. The weather's been great here outside of Philadelphia. The temperatures have been warm. It dipped down a little bit. It is the middle of January, so you never know what's gonna, what uh, winter is going to throw at you. February, we got to get through. I got the snowblower ready. I didn't coat the inside. I'm going to try something a little different when I do it this time. I have this... Um, Spray on grease, I think I'm going to use instead of like WD-40, it wears off. You know what I'm talking about? If you have a snowblower, you know what I'm talking about. I saw a video, a guy was uh, snowblowing like three feet. I'm like, hmm, we haven't tested ours or anything like that. Looks like fun. Not. Maybe next year. We'll put it off another year. Either way, God willing, I'm sure hope to be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.